No, no. All right. I'm gonna trade you two sheep for that wood. Tell me, honey, does that sound good? Cause all I really wanna do is take away longest road from you, yeah. Welcome to these tabletop sessions. Welcome to the welcome to the welcome to these tabletop sessions. Hello, fellow Gregarious Geeks and Gamers. Welcome to the 21st episode of the Tabletop Sessions podcast, where we talk about all things tabletop related that have been occupying the hearts and minds of this international group of gamers over the course of the last three weeks. My name is Elias, and with me this week are three people over 21, but shouldn't be allowed to drink in any country at all. It's Dima, Ipo, and Byron. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. Dima here. Which is Maori, or hello to all our new listeners in New Zealand. And I'm Byron, and I fully support Elias's decision about the drinking. <laughs> and I want to say... If from all this sentence that I just said, I don't know where's the New Zealand part. I mean, New Zealand should be New Zealand, right? I think I think it's uh, Rangi. And I, I don't know if I should say thank you to Ipo or apologize to our listeners for whatever was just said. <laughs> yeah, in Maori, maybe the New Zealand is our island or something. And if Ipe has offended you, please tweet us. We we want to get suspended. <laughs> it, yeah, we missed it's it. Not, it's not like it's my first time. <laughs> I just Googled Maori word for New Zealand, and I got Aotearoa, yeah. which isn't anywhere in that sentence either. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm even more confused. That's so funny. <laughs> I didn't even know where the words ended. Like he, I, I felt like it was just one really long word, the way he said it. Interesting. So, um, it's it's because you don't speak Maori. Aotearoa is the Maori name <laughs> for the country of New Zealand. The literal translation is "land of the long white cloud," mm. which could be referring to the abnormal amount of sheep that they have in New Zealand. <laughs> what can I say? A podcast worth listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of drinking problems, <laughs> I'm gonna talk to you about. My recent gambling problems. <laughs> so actually, we've been playing a lot of The Quacks of Quedlinburg, designed by Wolfgang Warsh. Um, and he's pretty popular in our group because of games like Ganshan Clever, The Mind, Wavelength. Quacks of Quedlinburg was published by North Star Games in 2018, and it won the 2018 Kennerspiel des Jahres. Woohoo! Okay, so back to my gambling problems. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, I just copy-pasted what Ipo said, and it translates to, may you all listen to the good weather. Oh. <laughs> oh. Good job, Ipo. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's nice. <laughs> oh, okay, so back to Quacks of Quedlinburg. The game is actually a push your luck game if you guys don't know what quacks are which i didn't know um we're basically fake medical professionals who are um 
make believe making uh, medical potions and trying to sell them. Um, each player board is a cauldron and there's like a spiral path that goes like the turns in each cauldron. And on your turn, you're pulling out random ingredients, tokens from a black bag and you're placing them into your cauldron. The the push your luck aspect is since you're a quack and you have no idea what you're doing, you're just pulling out these tokens, placing them on the board, and you're hoping that the potion doesn't explode. <laughs> okay, so um, in your bag, you're going to have different colored tiles, and the tiles are numbered. Um, different colored tiles will represent different ingredients, and the white tokens are considered cherry bombs in the game. And each token has a number on it from one to three for cherry bombs and one to four for other ingredients. When you pull out the token, you look at the number and then you move that many spots up the spiral track. You're trying to put as many ingredients into the cauldron, make as much potion as you can, basically, without letting the potion explode. And... Uh, um, I, I was really terrible at uh, <laughs> not letting it explode. So if you if the numbers on your cherry bombs in the track add up to more than seven, then it's a bust. And that means at some point, like at the end of this round, you would have to choose between either scoring points that round or using those points to buy more ingredients. So usually at the end of every round, you do both. You use the number you reached in the spiral. In assuming the you didn't bust, that is. Yeah, assuming you didn't bust. You use the number that you reached to buy more ingredients and score points. And so it's, it's a really, really fun game. For me, the pros is that like no matter what mood you're in, it's, this game will cheer you up so um we're just sitting there and at the same time like you're just all the players are pulling out the tokens at the same time and placing them in their cauldron you know so it's not like one person at a time puts their hand in you all wait till they place it etc it has very simple mechanics it's easy like at the end of your turn you buy more ingredients you add them to the bag okay i have two questions yes ah may may i uh first question why do i call them push your luck games and don't we call them like be patient games because <laughs> basically <laughs> at some point you know that like you reached for example six in the number of cherry bombs on your board and you know that there's a three number three cherry bomb in your bag but you have like five other ingredients in the bag as well so you have a one in four chance of picking the cherry bomb. And it's like, how much can I push my luck before I grab that one white token out of the five? Also, it's a really stupid question because push your luck is the opposite of patience, right? The If you're patient, it's pointless. The whole point of the game is how impatient are you? Not, <laughs> right? Like, if, if, you're, if you're stopping... Every time you reach three cherry bombs, even though you can reach seven, because you're like, law, sure, 
uh, slow and steady wins the race, you're not going to win the game. You're going to come in half the points of everyone else. Yeah. So patience has no part in this game. It's quite the opposite. It's how much can you curb your addiction to risk and gambling, which Dima cannot. Also, Ippo, if it was if it was a patience game, that'd be the doctors of Quedlingburg, not the quacks, because the quacks had no time for medical school. <laughs> or would it be the patients of Quedlingburg? Exactly. <laughs> so so if you if if you push your luck too much. You're gonna lose, so it's about how patient you are. No, you're not. 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 Okay, okay. You're not. Again, you're not understanding. You're right. If you push your luck too much, you're probably gonna win. The point is to push your luck. For example, in the last game that we played, I was already at seven cherry bombs, but Dima was way ahead of me on the spiral. Which means that turn she was going to score a shit ton more points like than me. Like 11 points more. So I, I was... just, but I knew that I had pulled out most of the cherry bombs already out of my um, sack. So I just kept pulling and pulling and pulling. And I pulled out like six to eight more ingredients that basically made my potion more valuable than Dima's. That was so ridiculous. But that's where <laughs> you win the game, is in where you know when to push your luck and when you don't. So... If you know that you still have half of your tokens in the bag and half of them are cherry bombs, don't push your luck. But if you know that only one token in there could bust you and you have maybe eight tokens in there, maybe push your luck a little bit. And that's the point of the game. Because if you don't push your luck, you are sure to lose. The thing is, <laughs> I, I was ahead of him on that round and I stopped. I think I was at five or six cherry bombs. And when I saw him pull out seven, I was like, no, no, I can do this. I can pull out one more. I can't let him beat me. <laughs> I pulled out one token and I busted. <laughs> and yeah, I just, I, I don't know. The game is, is against me. Okay. And that's when you realized you had an addiction. <laughs> she has a severe addiction problem. It's really bad. It just, it, I don't know. You just can't stop. It's hard to stop. You know, it's hard to make a decision to say, okay, this is the limit. I can't make any more money this round, you know? It's very easy to stop. Yeah, no. It's, uh, <laughs> so overall, if you like fun and addictive games, for gamblers like me, this was an amazing game, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I want to point out one thing, uh, which Dima missed, which is the variability of the game. So um, each token color, sorry, does different things. So let's say this game that you're playing, having more black tokens than the other player lets you get an extra point and a ruby, which you can use to spend to buy things or to flip over your um, bottle. But the next time that you play, you use a different set because the game itself comes with four sets of these little books and you pick which set you're going to play with. One, two, three, or four. And depending on the set you play with, all the colored ingredients do different things. So every time that you play, the value of each one changes, the cost of each one changes, and it really changes the setup of the game, how many points you're going to get, and so forth. The first time we played, for example, we didn't score very highly because we were playing with the basic set. But the second time we did, we had little tokens, like the blue tokens would stop us from busting Um the we had like red tokens which we were able to save and then choose at the end after we stopped 
pulling from our things, whether we wanted to add it to our potion or not. So all of a sudden our points went up and up and it changed the strategy completely. So yeah, this is a mostly luck-based game, but for sure the decisions that are presented to you are different depending on the set of ingredients that you're using for that game. So I did like that a lot. Another part of the variability is the first thing you do each turn is you draw the top card, which is like an oracle card from the uh, top of a deck. And it gives you either a decision to make or it changes the value of something for the game, that round rather. So depending on the card you pull and the ingredient set that you're using, every game really will feel a little bit different. But really, like, it's a great game. I really enjoyed myself. It's a game that easily I could play with people that have never played any board game. But at the same time, if Dima, me, Ippo, and Byron were sitting on the table, we'd play this game and we'd all have a great time. Another part of my favorite thing in this game is the simultaneous action selection. Not action selection, rather, but simultaneously you're pulling out the chips from the bag. So you're actually there, and then maybe you're slowing down your pulls a little bit to see if the other player is going to stop or if they're going to bust and if you need to bother to keep pulling. So there's like, like, like a timing element. You're sitting there pulling chips out of the bag and you're like, I'm just going to really slowly pull this chip out of the bag because I think Demo might bust in the next one or two. So maybe you're just looking, you're pretending to pull and you're like looking at Demo out of the corner of your eye waiting for her to bust so you don't have to pull any more chips out of the bag. So there's there's that real-time, it's not real-time, but rather simultaneous element to the game, which I really enjoyed. And there's there's one really fun, you could say thematic part to the game. Um, Elias hasn't experienced it, but I've experienced it a ton. When you're behind on the scoring track, you can add rats into your cauldron, depending on how far behind you are, to fill up your cauldron a bit more. And um, it's it's cool because it gives you um, a little bit of leeway, like it, it pushes you forward on the track. It's basically filling up your pot with stuff so that um, you have a fighting chance. And um, I just thought it was uh, a nice touch. <laughs> I definitely recommend this game for families, for sure. And 100%, this is a great filler game. So after you finish a big game or whatever, Two players, you can play this game in half an hour. With the full four, you can play it in under an hour. Because the majority of the game is simultaneous, it's very fast. Yeah. So, yeah. You put, did you ever ask your second question? Yes. So my second question is, how many players can play this game? Two to four. Only two to four? Yeah. No, it's not It's not a party game. I want you to get that like through your head. It's There's luck in the game, but it's a Euro game. Like... You still have phases, and then in each phase you can spend your resources to buy certain things. You still have decision spaces that you have to put your head in that space to try to figure out the right decision to make. If you have X amount to spend, do you want to blow it all on one token that you might never pull out? Or do you want to divide it on multiple smaller tokens, which you have a higher chance of pulling out, but they're less effective and give you less effective powers and, and points. So there is there is still a decision space that you have to put your head into. But for sure, luck is extremely prevalent in the game. So It sounds a lot of fun. Uh, if also, if you think that uh, for the last month, me and Lena were playing Can't Stop every day in, yeah. in Board Game Arena, 
I mean, it's just an old push your luck game. And I, I would like to see something fresh, some fresh ideas. For sure, in, if, in the if same, something uh, like Can't Stop is doing well for you and Lena, Quacks of Wettlenberg would do much better because it gives you that can't stop, push your luck. I'm not, this is not really a serious game. We're just messing around. But it still gives you decisions to make, which is the best thing about any board game is the decisions that it puts in front of you. Yeah. 30 minutes to two players. Yeah, it took us like 25 minutes. And ap apparently there's a right decision to make, but I don't seem to have that skill Believe me, Dima, game. there's no right decision to make. <laughs> the only thing I do different than you is I watch for when you bust. <laughs> Like I, I, I'm, I'm very careful with my timing. I'm always hovering around the same place as Dima, and when it, she busts or when she stops, I just go one further and stop. I don't know if strictly that's against the rules, but uh, that's my strategy. So. Yeah. Or if very I've effective. happily stopped, I've, I've, I've made my decision. I'm done. Elias makes his way up one point past me, and I'm like, I can pull out one more. He can't. He can't beat me like by one point every turn, and and then I bust. So <laughs> you have a problem, Dima. You have a problem. It's it's you. You're my problem. Okay, <laughs> you're pushing me over the edge. <laughs> Sounds like denial to me. <laughs> okay, so that was the Quacks of Quedlinburg by Wolfgang Warsh. Or the original title, Die Quacksalber von Quedlinburg. <laughs> okay, guys. So while you were playing around with this uh, uh, push your luck uh, childish games, we, <laughs> <laughs> we, we were playing some serious euros here in uh, Asia. Uh, and we were actually playing Concordia. Concordia is a game I bought as a present to myself last Christmas. And it costed me 50 pounds. Whoa. Uh, as, uh, as I didn't pay anything for shipping since Says was kind enough to bring it from uh, UK. Sorry, one quick thing about that, about that point. I always found it strange, the price of Concordia. I always found it overpriced. I don't know what it is. I feel like it should be a $35 game, but it's always priced around that $50 mark. And I don't really understand why, because it's like a double-sided board and some tokens and some cards. It just seems overpriced to me. Yes, I mean, I mean, uh, if you see the elements, you can say the board is too big. It's double-sided, and the box is also too big. I see. But of course, this is not the thing that makes the price of a game. So one hundred percent—that's what makes the price know. of a game. What, Maybe it's the popularity. How good the game is should determine the price. Yeah. <laughs> That's the is, is stupidest it, thing I've ever heard. Like, because it's Concordia and it's no, not so many. No. Uh, the manufacturing cost of the game should determine the price of the game, not how good it is. <laughs> it's so stupid. I, I totally agree with you. Okay. Right. Not many economists agree with you. Right? <laughs> no, I mean, because it's so subjective. This is not, uh, you know, some stock well, that rises in value. This is pieces of cardboard on the board. So your favorite game does not match my favorite game, does not match Dima's, does not match Byron's. So you cannot price a game depending on that. I mean, the most popular games tend to be the ones that have a lower price point because 
It's true. By definition, more people will okay. buy. They're okay. more accessible. I, I, will, I, will, I will say this. I will say this. I was expecting it to be cheaper. As exactly. Because if you look at the board, it looks old. And <laughs> also... But that's my impression. I mean, I, I know I know you're saying it's worth why. it for sure. From what I've heard, I'm sure it is. I'm just saying that based on what it looks like, you know. Yeah, they didn't even use that much ink. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's not what I was saying. But. <laughs> it was a joke. Okay, but carry anyway, on. <laughs> so, so I was saying that uh, I have played it with four and two players. And uh, one of the reasons that I picked that up this game is that uh, it can accommodate up to five players uh, so it's this sweet spot of five players that we don't have any other game to play uh, so the game the game is about roman times it's a mediterranean sea trade game so what a surprise how <laughs> how rare it is this theme the players sent colonists from Rome to settle down in cities that produce one of five different commodities. You can have brick, uh, grain, uh, grapes, and two more things that I don't remember right now. <laughs> Each player starts with a deck of an identical set of seven cards and may buy more cards during the game. In their turn, each player plays a card from his hand face up in front of him and executes the action on the card. So, this is the whole game. You have these cards, you're just playing the card and you're doing one action. And in the end of the game, each one of your cards gives you victory points for multiple different reasons. Let's say for each city that you have built a house or for each house in a city that produces a brick or for each province that you have a house. So the different actions of the game are basic things known to every Eurogamer like produce in this area or move or build houses, or trade resources, or buy more cards. So buying cards is one of the most important actions of the game. And the reason is that not only the new card gives you a new action that we can later play, but you also get one more victory point condition that might be the same or different to the ones you already have. So this is one of the brilliant ideas of the game, the dual aspect of each card giving you actions and also victory points in the end of the game. This is the whole game. How many rounds are there or turns? Like approximately how many cards does each player get to play throughout the game? So one of the cards in the game is uh, a card that lets you get back all of the cards you have played. Oh. So you, you get your deck back. But by playing this card, it's like a waste of time because you are doing nothing. You're just getting your cards back. Mm -hmm. So in order to be more efficient... You should try to play all, your, all of your uh, cards and then play this card that gives you your deck back. Oh, it's just... Uh, okay, the, I got it. The, the way the game ends is if you uh, place all of your 15, if I remember correctly, houses on the map, then you have one last round and the game ends. And the other way the game ends is that if all the cards that are... Uh, open to be sold mm -hmm. are uh, exhausted. So you have open cards that you can buy and add to your hand and to your deck. Okay, and you also have some houses, trading posts, let's say, that you can place on the map. And these are the two ways that uh, the game ends. My favorite thing of this game, which is amazing, is that I can teach it in 15 minutes. 
because the rules are straightforward. I have already managed to teach it to my nine years old daughter. Of course, she didn't get the depth of the game and she finished dead last when we played, but she could easily cope with the rules. So this is uh, a very interesting aspect. You have new gamers because every time we're going to play on a Tuesday night, you know, somebody new will be there and he won't know and she won't know how the game plays. And you just need 15 minutes to teach it. That's amazing. Uh, the other thing I like is the one I said the one I said to Dima, this Tribune card, that's the name of the card that you get your deck back. This makes you want to be as efficient as possible. That's the part of the game that I find fascinating because Matt Gertz is famous for his games that use a uh, rondelle of actions. So in games like Imperial, Imperial 2030, Navigador, all these games that he's really famous for, there's a wheel of actions and you can only move a certain number of steps each turn. So in effect, it's sort of to be more efficient and not pay extra to jump further ahead on the rondelle, you have to do almost every type of action before you're able to do the ones you've done again. So uh, if, if I do, uh, there's five actions. If I do actions one and two, I'm in order to do one and two again, the most efficient way I should do three, four or, and five or all three. Um, yeah. Because in order to do one and two again, I'm going to have to pay a lot to jump back. And I find that with, with Concordia, he seems to have taken the same concept and putting it into a hand of cards, which is you can play one card, card one, card two. Now you can play your Tribune and take one and two back, but it's more efficient to play three, four, and five, then play your Tribune and take it back because you're playing more actions overall than your opponents. So I really like the idea that the man really loves rondelles and he took the idea of a rondelle and turned it from an actual wheel on the board into a hand of cards. Exactly. And uh, as, as you said, as you said, it's a Mac Gertz game. So he did that. And every time you're trying to, uh, you, you're willing to buy one more card and put it in your deck, uh, you have a very interesting choice to make. You can buy a card that gives you an action of move, so you can move your colonists more. Or you can buy a card that gives you the action of production, so you can produce more. And this changes the game dramatically. It changes your game dramatically. So uh, not only that, the lower part of the card will give you some victory, as I said, some victory point in the end of the game. So maybe this action that gives you more production uh, will also give you uh, victory points for every city that you have a settlement that produces brick. And this is maybe not good for you. So maybe you need to go to another card or something like that. So many choices and you need to balance and gives the game such a depth that uh, as you try to predict other people's choices and be more efficient than everybody else, uh, it's it's th the thing that makes makes me love this game. So that's yeah. where the player interaction comes in. Yes, in the game, in terms of yes, and not only that, the shared board and choices. Not only that, there is uh, another way to interact. When you go and uh, uh, place a settlement in a city. 
the first player let's say needs to pay uh, two coins and uh, one brick to place the settlement the second player who goes there and wants to place the settlement uh, needs to pay double this amount of coins so he needs to pay four coins and a brick the third player three times that so six coins and a brick mm -hmm. uh, so it's also this uh, element plus the move element where Every time I move uh, uh, my colonies to a road to go and uh, make a new settlement in a new city, they occupy that road. So if somebody needs to overlap me, he needs to pay now two movement in order to go further away. He cannot be in the same road as I am. So there's an element of being first in an area is valuable. Mm -hmm. Yes, so it's uh, many ways of interaction. Plus, there is a one more card, the card that's called Diplomacy, where you can just copy the action that any of the uh, other players did the last round. Nice. So, so the game is amazing. I don't, I don't know what to say more to uh, convince people that it's a great game. I just want to say it's ranked uh, 18 in the board game kick and the weight according, oh, wow. to, according to BGG is uh, 3.05 out of 5. Okay. Uh, it is supposed to be played in uh, 100 minutes even though my 4 player experience was about 2.5 hours or more. Uh, but that was uh, a little, has a little to do with uh, Cezanne Harriet uh, who were kind of lost... <laughs> in the many options they were facing in the, the first game. Uh, I have to say that uh, Harid was APing in the first game and uh, she won. <laughs> and in the, second, in the second game, Harid was very fast because in the first game, I guess, I was complaining, okay, Harid, is your turn, do something. So in the, first, in the second game, she was very fast and that time Sez was APing and he won. So... <laughs> okay, two things to say about that. One, it sounds like when people AP, everybody else gives up on the will to live, and so the other person's <laughs> able to win. Yeah. And two, thank you, Alice. If thank you. you were complaining to someone about APing, it must have been really bad because you're <laughs> like AP master over here. So <laughs> you're in the top three. So I'm not anymore. That, I want to say that that was the old me. This game, <laughs> this game will be added to my collection, but I was considering getting Concordia Venus. Because um, it's one of the expansions, but there's two versions of it. There's the expansion, which is just the expansion, and there's one which is like uh, the base game plus the expansion. And what Concordia Venus adds to the game, which is very interesting to me, other than new map and so on, is uh, team play. So you can play with up to six players, which could be up to three teams of two. So we really enjoyed team games in our group, but... Most team games tend to be either war games like War of the Ring or party games. So there's very few actual Euro games which require team games. And we like team games in our because we like to crush other people, but we also like high-fiving at the end of games. So they're kind of a sweet spot right there. I will say, if you're looking for a game with variability, Concordia is right there. You have Concordia, Concordia Venus. Then you have maps like Balerica, Italia. You have Egyptus, Creta. Uh, Cyprus, you have Britannia, Germania, Galilea, Corsica. 
Then you actually have Concordia Salsa, which is another expansion altogether, which has a new element of salt, which I think is more of a wild resource. So there's a lot in this game in the sense of like how Power Grid or Age of Steam has replayability based upon the map that you're using. And I think Ipo would agree that the map you're playing will impact significantly what your strategy is for that game. Uh, I have played only the Mediterranean map, but uh, from what I hear from you, uh, I think all the other maps are just uh, magnified uh, areas of uh, the Mediterranean Sea, right? So, but Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm not talking geographically. I mean, for example, now that you've played a couple of times, I imagine after you play a few more times, you will realize in your head that this location is more valuable in the beginning of the game. Maybe I can grab that in order to expand quickly, etc. So playing with a different map will completely change that dynamic. Totally true. So I think bringing in new maps will definitely expand the number of times that you can play this game. Again, the price might be an issue, but... Uh, totally true. And, and, I, and I wanted to say that also, uh, as you said before, uh, Venus, Concordia Venus is out there. And uh, I didn't know that. I don't know why I went for the original Concordia. I think there's no reason now. Because you didn't not, speak not to, to me go. first. <laughs> I think I did, but not so much, yeah. You did not speak to me. <laughs> I said I was going to I first heard Coco. about it when Chez goes, uh, he, he messages on the group, he goes, Ipo, I have your Concordia. And I was like, he didn't consult with me? Like, no, I, th- oh, I think I it hurt, it hurt, no, no, it no. hurt me We talked deeply. early December, oh. I will find the message and send it to you. <laughs> And you said, yeah, it makes sense. It's uh, the obvious... Uh... Hearsay. Hearsay. Please send a screenshot of the conversation to the group. <laughs> and we'll upload it to Twitter and Instagram so everyone can see it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Byron. It doesn't exist, so go ahead and do that. <laughs> okay, guys, just one last thing. I want to quote uh, a BGG user. He's, uh, he, he wrote in uh, BGG his review. He said, I marvel at the beauty of the design of this game. What could be added? What could be removed? You can't really come up with much anything. It's like the design was always there. And Mac Gertz just pulled it out of raw cardboard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that was well, This guy really needs to find, really needs to look at the beauty in life other than board games. All right. Um, speaking of games that... Um, <laughs> Uh, speaking about speaking of moving things <laughs> around speaking of games in which maps are important <laughs> Dima and I recently played a couple of games of Irish Gage this is designed by Tom Russell originally it was published by Winsome Games in 2014 and it came in a bag like a plastic bag uh, but now it's been republished in this beautiful edition with art by Ian O'Toole by Capstone Games as part of their Iron Rail series, and it was published last year in 2019. The basic idea of this game is it's, it's sort of similar to Age of Steam in the sense that you're, if anyone knows what a winsome train game is, that they already understand that, but it's similar to Age of Steam in principle, but in the sense that you're building routes, you're buying stocks um, of different rail companies, and depending on which cities produce and the delivery of those goods, you will then score and make some money uh, based, based after running the trains based on the number of shares that you have and the dividends that you own. Um, 
if I've lost you and you're bored and you're falling asleep, now wake up! <gasps> because uh, it's a great game. And more importantly, it took longer to describe than it might take to teach. Because this game plays in under an hour with the full complement of players and has a single double-sided page of rules. An A4 page, no, both I... sides, rules to play this Irish cage game. Um, we played it twice, and each time we played, it was a completely different game. So the basic thing is you have a few actions that you can do. You can uh, buy stocks or at least open up an auction for a stock in which everyone can then bid for a stock. You can develop the cities that you're you're working on, basically turn the cities into goods-producing cities, um, and you can uh, run your trains. There's a couple more actions, but this is the main thing that you can do. When you run trains, all the trains on the boards will, will run, and they will pay out dividends. There's basically five railways on the board, and you're buying shares in each one. So the first time that we played, it was a much more conservative game in the sense that we really pushed the development of these railways, extended huge, massive networks before people started pushing that dividend run where people kept getting paid out, paid out, paid out. Um, and it was, it was interesting. It was more like a actual age of steam game or even similar to an 18 XX game in that regard. However, the second time we played, it was a much heavier stock game but it was a much shorter game and our train networks never developed fully. So what happened is one of the players, uh, actually the player that came in last in the first game, the second game, he decided he was going to push a different strategy altogether. So he, because he was last, we decided he would go first. He picked a stock to be paid out and he spent, he outbid everybody on it basically. And it was the yellow railway. Now in the setup of this game, it just so happened that three cities next to where the yellow railway begins, they all had a white cube on them. Now, why is that important? Because when you decide to run your trains and pay dividends, you pull cubes out of a bag to see which cities will pay out. There's three colors, black, pink, and white. And let's say I pull out a black, black, and a white. Only cities that have black or white cubes on them will pay out during that run. Whereas if I pull out all three colors, black, pink, and white, then all cities will pay out. So he very quickly on his first turn developed a small track that connected those three cities. And then he started pushing dividends right away. So he started pulling operations and he would pull out cubes from the board. And he got lucky because, because there were a lot of white cubes on the board, there are technically less white cubes in the bag because there's a finite number of cubes. But he pulled out, and he got white cubes. And then he did that again and again for his first three turns, which meant that in his first three turns, his tiny little track connecting three white cities paid him enormous amounts of money, and none of us had any form of track developed. So before the game could even get started, he had completely dominated financially. And, and none of us could get payout paid out during his dividends phases because we didn't have any tracks built we didn't have any money because to buy shares from his company because our tracks weren't built so because, we weren't getting any exactly money. We, we we used our initial like amount to buy initial shares from different companies 
And so it was um, it was rough in the beginning, just watching ourselves. So Dima, losing and the very, <laughs> on the track the very to losing. Part so, excuse me, is that excuse me. So, so Dima again okay. had a bag and she was pulling out uh, cubes. <laughs> I wasn't the one pulling out the cubes this time, but there was a bag and you do pull out cubes in this bag as well <laughs> in this game. <laughs> but, but what's interesting is, as I said, the cubes are finite. So after the first couple of rounds, there were no white cubes left in the bag. So that made any city with white cubes on it completely worthless because they would never be paying out again. So even though that yellow tra- uh, rail track made him phenomenally rich early in the game, no one bought the other two shares of that company because it was completely worthless all of a sudden. Yeah. So that was a very cool dynamic. Very, um, very actually, the, the table next to us on our way out Um, when they were setting up the board, they had reached in and pulled out, I think, four pink. You should say they were also playing Irish Gage. They were also playing Irish Gage. <laughs> and they pulled out four pink and two black, set them up, set them up on the board. And they looked at each other and they're like, uh, sh- shall we redraw? And they agreed. They put the cubes back in the bag and redrew, which is cheating. <laughs> It's not just cheating. I wouldn't do that because It- the first game I played of Irish Gage, I enjoyed it. But I'd rather play Age of Steam. Um, the second time we played, even though I wasn't super into it because, you know, I don't like playing the same game back to back. Um, I'm really happy it came out that way because it showed me the diversity in the game. Yes. I think taking advantage of the initial random pull is kind of critical to doing well in the game. Yeah. And... Yeah, so so a couple other things about the game. It's really fun because you don't actually have to develop your railway. You can just buy shares in other people's railways and just <laughs> let them spend all their money developing it. Although that's a dick move. Now, that's my kind of game. I've kind of <laughs> raved on about this game, but there's a couple negative points. Obviously, it's not as deep as an Age of Steam or an 18xx game, but that's to be expected in a game that's an hour long. So just measure, I mean, what are your priorities if you have a whole day don't play irish gauge play play age of steam or 18xx but if you only have a couple of hours you can knock out a couple of games of irish gauge the other thing is you can be screwed by the resources that you pull in a short game so because it's a short game it's really hard to pivot strategy so in that one game that this guy Uh, pulled out all those uh, white cubes and made a ton of money in the beginning of the game. I decided that turn I was going to try to monopolize a company and see what happened. I didn't know what was going to happen. But the game didn't carry on long enough because by the end of the game, I owned an entire company, all the shares for that company. I was making mad money every time we ran. ran, uh, I was making a ton of money. But the game was so short that it didn't justify how much I spent up front to monopolize that company. So it's hard to pivot strategy in a game that short. But hell, just play another game. You know, like, what? Just, just, you're done, play it again. You can play three of these games in the amount of time it takes to play one game of Age of Steam. So, you know, it, it's, is, it's valuable to know Is that. it as beautiful as it looks like? It's gorgeous. It's 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 a light green, beautiful board, and beautiful pastel, tiny little trains. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I will say one more thing: is whilst it's beginner friendly in the sense of 
it's very easy to learn. And someone who's never played any sort of train game could play this. Your first action is is an auction. Like the first thing that happens is you're you're auctioning. Uh, you're you're bidding for for shares. And if you fuck that up, you might as well be out of the game. So it's not friendly in that regard because in your first game you will fuck up something and you probably won't win the game because of it. But at the same time, it's it's a short game. Is there any new new players to rule? No. Not no. that I know. I was taught the game. I, I didn't Like what I did like about him is uh the person who was explaining the game to us, he was telling us um the things they found out by playing the game. That's true. So so they were just um throughout the explanation just telling us, okay, this could happen here if you do that, just so you know. Um, at this point during the, so they were just giving us tips things that they learned from playing the game like Ricardo so that was exactly like Ricardo yes <laughs> oh, exactly the complete and opposite of Ricardo I would I would recommend this game as an 18xx fan um, I would I would recommend this game for, for people that would like to try out train games that have shares that you need like you know a whole stock market and stuff because it's short so you don't have to, if you're not doing so well, it doesn't need to drag out for hours. And, and I completely disagree to, with that. I you completely don't have disagree to worry about I wouldn't even, bankruptcy. I wouldn't even put out that recommendation. Why? Because it will teach you bad habits for 18xx. 18xx games are about managing your private wealth versus company wealth. Mm -hmm. There's no such difference in this game. Correct. Wealth is wealth. If you're paying for tracks, you're paying out of pocket. Yeah. So I wouldn't recommend this game as a basis for 18xx. I would teach this game before I teach Age of Steam. Mm -hmm. But if I was going to teach someone 18xx for the first time, I would teach them 18 Lilliput, then I would teach them 1846, then I would teach them something like 1830. But I would not use this game as any sort of primer on an 18xx. I haven't be played Age of Steam. Just so. because the themes are, are are trained, you might as well say, I'll teach you Ticket to Ride as a primer to 18xx. I don't feel like they have anything to do with it. No, because of the stock market. <laughs> okay, they have a stock market, but they don't operate in the same way yeah. at all. Yeah. There's no value to your stocks. It's just how much of the company you own. That's true. Like It would teach you a lot of bad habits. If you're going to use it as a primer. For yeah, it teaches you a lot of like short term wins that are going to be counterproductive in 18xx games. We already have the perfect introduction to an 18xx game, and that's 18 Lilliput. So no need to keep looking for anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Irish Gage. I highly recommend it, especially that it's literally like the box is an inch thick and it's beautiful and it's thin and doesn't take up any space on your shelf. And for sure, at some point, I'll probably like to own this game just because I think it's super versatile and when you can pull this game out. So if you like train games as much as me, don't buy it because it's a train game. <laughs> However, onto some new exciting news. I got an email the other day from Simon for Unk, and it really looks like it's almost... The Kickstarter is about to be released, so I'm really excited about that. I'm, I'm going to definitely back it when it comes out. I love minis. I love ancient themes. What's not to love? Um, other than that, you might wait a while, though, with China production being very, very slow. And this group, I'm a big fan of Blood Rage. Dima is a huge fan of Rising Sun. 
So yeah, as you say, it wasn't to love. The only thing is the same thing I said when we announced it in the first place, which is it's kind of like directly in the same space as Kemet with the same theme, which seems like, I feel like a lot of people yeah. who already have Kemet and the expansions would be like, well, I already have an ancient Egyptian themed combat game. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, as a Eurogamer, you don't think about theme when you buy a game. Yeah, they're both about trains, but they're different. But yeah. I think as a thematic gamer, you do. So um, I don't know if, if it fills up the same space or if people are just going to buy it because it kind of completes the trilogy in a weird sense. Um, I'd be excited to try it. Um, my favorite thing about Blood Rage is how short it is. Which is, I liked Rising Sun, but the reason I preferred Blood Rage was how short it is. So I'd be eager to find out how long yeah. of a game like it actually takes to play Ankh for me to make a decision on that. So The video that they released doesn't really show the game. They just have some... No, the video is useless. I agree. Some graphics doesn't give us any more clues. It's just a hype train. Yeah, exactly. So let's see what happens. So after talking about a game... That we've spent a lot of time talking about. Heavy on plastic, heavy on minis. Probably also going to be heavy on cardboard. Let's go to another serious issue. What is our take on environmental affairs with board games? Fuck the environment. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all I can say is when since we moved to Canada, we've been helping the environment a lot. Okay, We've been spending hours a day sorting through our trash. <laughs> separating compost from recycling from actual garbage and it's been a lot of work so you're welcome go on byron have you recycled any of your board game waste we don't have board game waste Excuse our board me? games are in shipping <laughs> we don't waste board games okay we trade them we give them away for free after if, if it's an escape room we kind of sort of put it back together <laughs> and erase the <laughs> Lines but guys, it. where where all these uh, recycled uh, garbage go? Because I've read in a paper that uh, there was uh, one big plant in China that is now closed, and now <laughs> nothing happens with these recycled things. Uh, we, we should send them to the moon. So uh, all I know is compost. Ontario has this facility that creates methane gas from compost, and then we use it. We're gonna start using it as an energy source. But uh, recycling, Is it methane I bad or something? Wasn't there the whole thing about cows are farting too much and destroying the ozone layer? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure cows are farting a lot. Cow cows are farting too much. That's why we're eating steaks. <laughs> okay, let's get back to Byron. Why'd you bring up this topic, man? <laughs> so the reason I brought up this topic yeah, why is Big Potato Games have announced that they're doing away with all shrink wrapping and all plastic inserts for their board games, mm -hmm. which is a step in the right direction, I feel. How are they going to seal the the game? That's what I was thinking. Like That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, It doesn't sound like they have a plan for that, um, <laughs> but they are looking at using potato cellulose because um, you can get cellulose plastic from made from potatoes. So that would be pretty cool. So basically your board game is going to come like... Looking like a baked potato. There's going to be a huge <laughs> potato skin wrapped around your board yeah. game. <laughs> Guys, jokes aside, I really like what they're trying to do. No, I hate it. God <laughs> damn it. Stop trying to help uh, us survive as uh, a species. You Africans. <laughs> 
I really, yeah, it's amazing when Big Potato Games. And Big Potato, I really like their attitude in general towards gaming. Like, um, they have a lot of fun games. Like, I really enjoy Linky, play quite a bit. Um, there's a trivia game that they have, Mr. Lister's um, Listing Trivia Pub Shootout. I don't know what it's called, but it, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I really like them taking this step in the right direction. We waste a lot as a board gamer. I mean, there are times, especially when it's like a heavy Euro, like a, like a Caverna or a Feast for Odin or something like that. The amount of cardboard that you throw away after you punch out everything is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I don't yeah. care if they're recycling it or not. There's too much wastage. Um, and for sure, the plastic is the biggest issue of anything. Wrapping the cards, wrapping the pieces, wrapping the box. If there's a way to get around that, and I'm sure there is, without um, spending so much plastic utilization, which is terrible for the environment, great. And I think that we should really salute this as some sort of antithesis to what Simon is trying to do, which is clearly their evil plan of trying to secretly destroy the world through plastic pollution. <laughs> <laughs> one mini at a time. One mini at a time. I mean, seriously, how many fucking minis do you need? <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, and that was the news. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is the Kickstarter that just finished for Kanban electric vehicle. I wonder if, you know, in their whole green vehicle initiative, they even bothered to think about how they could use um, more green production, yeah, environmentally sustainable methods in their production. I don't think so. I can't say anything about it on their Kickstarter. No, but that the Mr. Trick there. That would have been yeah. That would have been a really nice thing to do. So, you know. Yeah, but just just to to have this theme in a game, it's something that I guess enhances people to think environmentally friendly. Oh, it does make people think about Teslas. <laughs> <laughs> But my only concern is that environmental themes are, are, are they just a theme or are, are we actually going to do something about it? You know, like we had zombie themes, which were huge. Oh, let's go for zombie games. Then we had pirate games. Now, now I hope it's not just, are we having environmental games for the sake of that's what's popular? I have an answer to that. We got to look at correlation versus causation. Okay. So... <laughs> We had a theme of zombie games about fighting zombies. Look at the world around you. Do you see any zombies? <laughs> no. no. We had a theme about pirates, about fighting pirates. Look around the world. Other than Somalia, do you see any pirates around you? No. <laughs> That's because these pirate games didn't get printed in Somalia. All right? So <laughs> now we're fighting environmental pollution. Look around you. In 10 years, there'll be none of that. <laughs> Whoa, drop the mic. <laughs> I, w I want to say that the zombies theme also is uh, an environmental friendly theme because uh, if you think about it, zombies are recycling. <laughs> I'm not wrong there. <laughs> they pick up the recycling on Tuesdays and Thursdays. He's <laughs> got a huge zombie head on the... <laughs> We should make a, a follow-up sequel to Mad Max called uh, Zombie Collector. <laughs> Drives a huge garbage truck thinking <laughs> of zombie waste. <laughs> oh, man.
Well, thank you for that, Byron. Very important issue that you've brought attention to. And um, luckily you brought it up so that we could solve the issue. Nicely done. You're welcome, world. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and now it's time for the game show of the week, baby. Yeah! 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 I guess you'd say who would design the rules this way of who goes first? Who goes first? Who goes first? Talking about who goes first? Okay, okay, that's enough. That's oh, okay. <laughs> so we have some few excited contestants today. <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> Who Goes First? <laughs> I just want to say this I is do. already not fair because we are re-recording this episode because we had some technical issues last time. And if I lose today, this will not be an accurate depiction of what happened the first time we mm. recorded this episode. That's all Unreleased I'm episodes say. don't come towards your, your tally. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it doesn't exist. It's, it's, it's done. Oh, man. Okay, Alice, we have played many games that uh, we haven't made them a podcast, so... <laughs> that you have also won. <laughs> and this time, it's definitely not my fault that we had a re-record. No, you were no. the one person who didn't fuck up this time. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys, ready for the game rules? Yeah! Yeah, Ready to go. Okay, so I'm going to read you either a fake rule or a real rule for first player. And you have to guess whether it's real or fake. (laughs) I'm going to give you one one rule per person per round for three rounds. And the one with the most points in the end wins. Elias, since you were... um, the uh, non-existent winner <laughs> of uh, the non-released episode. Would you like to start? I'd like to go last, please. Okay. Who would like to go first? I think Ippo is dying to go first. Ippo. He's had a week to prepare. <laughs> Your first rule. Uh, also, I phrased all um, the sentences in the same way so that... Um, like it just flows okay so you don't differentiate the player who has most recently gone to space true rule Woohoo! Ding, ding, ding. one point for info this is from the game asking for troubles oh that's a really orange game yeah okay <laughs> Um, it's the Trump of board games. So, Byron, you're <laughs> next since Elias is going last. Okay. Player who has most recently gone insane. I'm going to say true. True, yes. Can we guess which well one? Well done. Yeah, yeah, you can guess which game. So he- I don't know, but it's a Cthulhu oh, theme so for sure. It feels like um, the adventures are. Like I'm horror. Of count something. Okay, so Baron von <laughs> Arkham Horror. Elias Arkham, was Arkham. the closest. Arkham Cthulhu Horror. Realms. Ah. Yeah, no extra points. I was though. close enough. I was... Okay. I said Arkham Horror. I was close. <laughs> I want the next one. Okay. Elias. Fuck off. The player that looks most like a monster. No way. That's fake. 
It's real. No way. That's oh, rude. Yeah. Oh, you guys want to guess the game? Like, no, that's rude. Trail on the House of the Hill? No. No, Fearsome Floors. Well, we don't recommend you to play Fearsome Floors because that's a very rude thing to ask someone to do. It's like Sheriff of Nottingham where they ask you the person who has the most money in their wallet. Like, come on. You know, it, it's just so fucking rude. <laughs> so, Dima, just, just a quick recap on the points. Shut one point for Ipo, one point for Byron, and zero points for Elias. <laughs> I just want to say that I'm going to delete all of this and put in the recording from the last. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ipo, you're up. The player who has most recently littered. Uh... That sounds like a reasonable, but at the same time, I don't know any games that could have this rule. So I'm gonna say uh, fake. Correct! Ding, 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 ding! Yeah. One point for Ipo. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Byron, you're up. The I have double the points of Byron. <laughs> the That's true. You have to, almost three times more than Elias. That's not how math works. <laughs> In, infinite times. Okay, Two Byron. is not double of zero. Times. Three times of zero. <laughs> Byron, you ready to make up the difference? I'm ready. The player with the dirtiest clothes. That's so fucking rude if that's true. No, that's, to me, that's fake. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> One point for Byron. Two. Okay, Elias, you're up. You ready? The first player to move. <laughs> yeah. I don't give a shit. <laughs> That's a nice rule. It's too nice to be real. It's fake. Correct, it's fake. <laughs> Good job, Elias with one point. See, now, He's on the board. now you have twice the number of points. I, <laughs> I literally I literally know a children's game that has this rule. Really? <laughs> first player to move. Yes. Oh, so. It's not a board game, though. Okay, but. Oh, well. Okay, well. So, then it, so then it's fine. Elias still gets the point. <laughs> it's called, it's called uh, to hide from a predator. He's trying to rob you of your one point. <laughs> okay, Ipo, you're next. The player with the pointiest ears. Uh, that's Get it wrong. Totally Get it true. Wrong. Because I guess it's for, from a Star Trek uh, kind of game. <laughs> no, it's from Small World. But he's right. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You get the one point. Ah, Yay! Yeah, one point. Okay, so at this point, Ipo's winning unless Byron can catch up. Byron, are you ready? There's so much pressure. I don't think I can. You can do it. I'm with you. I'm going to guess with you. <laughs> the player who grunts the best. I think it's from UgTech. Uh, <laughs> I'm helping Byron. Fuck Elias, off. you can't help Byron. I'm helping Although Byron. His win is going to have an asterisk. I'm helping Byron. Byron, do you want an asterisk next to your it's win? True. I'm calling bullshit. 
it's true, but I don't. I, I'm it's not. It's a boy for sure. It's just true. It's true. It's an African conspiracy. <laughs> is it from Ugg Tech? No, it's from Bridge Troll. Wow, shows how much I know. Okay. Let's see, he didn't even give a good hint. Um. Give Give him another one. Give him another one. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna go to Elias, and then and then I'll come back to Byron's situation. I'm eliminated. Are you? Yeah, yeah you are. <laughs> okay, oh. that's why I sided with Byron. <laughs> okay, well, Byron, Nepo tied. Let's but, go again. Did we, I think we should vote to win. Did we though? <laughs> we did. We did tie. The points say we did. Okay, Byron, I'm gonna give you one more shot. Why? Because okay. You- Technically, you cheated. So what? The man has more resources at his disposal. <laughs> it doesn't mean that he cheated. He, he's not won technically. the he contest <laughs> of character. You're I, not supposed to help each other. I have chosen Byron shy. as my champion. Okay. Oh, captain, my I captain. You have my axe. Byron. <laughs> he cheated in, pl- in and plain my axe. <laughs> Byron, I'm going to ask you one more, and this will... The other one's canceled. No, 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 it's not canceled. It's canceled. No, 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 no. I'm running this game. I'm the other one's canceled. If Elias helps Byron, I'm going to keep helping him. <laughs> kudos kudos to Dima. I feel like I, this is I, bullshit. I, it's a conspiracy. I, I cannot live and with this I win. do not accept this. You know, I can fire you. As the game show <laughs> of the week host, <laughs> I can fire I, your ass, okay? I. She's gonna be <laughs> fired because of her dignity. <laughs> okay, Byron, ready? This clear, Elias, clear preference. Do not help him, otherwise it'll be an no, automatic I, win for Epo. I got you, buddy. We're gonna okay. work together. Okay? Elias, check don't. your phone. Check your phone. Elias, don't. <laughs> <laughs> ready? The player who can hold their breath the longest. I don't know. I can't be of much help on this one. <laughs> you know what? Since I was already robbed of a point, I don't even care. I'm going to say true. It is true. You did it all by Ooh. yourself, buddy. Oh. All you. I think you win because you answered four questions and Epo answered three. I, I should have won. <laughs> this is clear bullshit from the part okay, of Okay, so the game is Aquarium. Okay, this is the last round. Either you guys tie or one of you wins. Ready? Ready. Are we both playing? Yes, you and Byron. Because okay. I gave Byron an extra one and he got it. Okay, so Ipo. The player who is the wealthiest. No, that's fake. Correct, it's fake. That's not fake, it's real oh. and I own the game. Which one? Doggy Dog. Really? Doggy Dog. The person who plays the colonist Ooh. is decided by who's the wealthiest player. Really? Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, oh. That's a fucking asterisk. It's not me helping Byron on a game I never yeah, heard of. Your honor. <laughs> your honor. We're going to do the same thing we did last time. Okay. We're going to do the don't, same thing we did last time. Don't listen to fake news. Epo. Fake Epo. news. Epo. We're going to time out and seconds. I'm going to look up the rules. You have five seconds to spell supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Yeah. Go. The referee is checking the rules. What's the name of the game? Dog eat dog. I call it's fake news from uh, Elias Fox. Okay, once the characters both are decided, you need to decide who among you will play the colonizing forces. That's when you get to drop this question on your richest friend. Okay. Oh. Who here is the richest person? 
Whoa, Ipo, it is a rule. <laughs> what does it say? Does it say the wealthiest? It says the richest. Yeah. Oh, is it the same? <laughs> My okay. English are, are not so good, so I'm not sure it's the same thing. Okay, Byron, you're up. Ipo, I'm sorry, you didn't get that point. Byron, I'm on your side, baby. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Elias, do not say a word, otherwise Byron might not get it. I won't. I will just it. fight the system to make sure he gets his dues. <laughs> okay. Byron. The system. I'm here. The player who can purr the best. Player who can purr the best. I think that's from Cat Tower. Purr. It's fake. <laughs> Fake. Legally won that one by five points to three. Barn, I'll be sending you my bill for (laughs) my fifteen percent. Because there's no cat games. There is Cat Tower. I thought it was from Cat Tower for a second, Uh, but uh, and the the there's uh, there's the Isle of Cats. Yeah. No, the the no exploding kittens. There's exploding kittens. I know some cat games. All in all, thank goodness for Byron's ignorance. <laughs> you deserve it, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So that Byron. Was nice plus. <laughs> so congratulations, Byron, on the win of the, the week. The rightful winner of episode twenty-one. Completely justified and deserved and self-earned. <laughs> this week was a struggle, guys. <laughs> After a double extra time. <laughs> and, and legal proceedings seriously this was rough I think I was sweating a little bit I will say even though I didn't win this one even though I won the original one, uh, uh, which one? this was much which more entertaining so I'm not gonna swap which, it out which one did you win? <laughs> I, I don't Byron, remember you winning you anything you do realize I have recorded evidence mm. of me winning Sorry, but, but the, the best part is we can't really hear Elias' recording yeah. in that one. You can hear my recording perfectly. The it's only problem poppy. is there's a popping sound. So I will have it available for those who require evidence to make sense. But, to be, I, I, but fuck it. I'm deleting this whole but, thing and putting my... <laughs> Elias, we, we couldn't hear anything because of this popping sound. <laughs> It's true. I'm glad everyone's taking this very maturely. You know, <laughs> as always, it'd be really funny if this recording right now starts popping. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah, I'm hearing something like <laughs> I'm hearing something, but it, it sounds. You shouldn't be hearing something Pop. you won, Byron. Oh my God, he doesn't get it. It's, it's, it sounds like <laughs> it's a bit Greek. What I'm hearing. Pop 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 pop. pop. No, oh, I see what you're hearing. I see what you're hearing. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, that took a while. We will be cutting that out and putting the actual pop, recording. So it's uh, ducks performing Zorba. <laughs> it's the quacks of Canada. It's the quacks of Crit. It's the Hippocratic Corner! Woohoo! Yeah!
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Hippocratic Corner. In this Hippocratic Corner, we're not going to have a top three because there's something else that fills our uh, uh, minds and souls for this uh, late week, uh, weekend and late uh, the latest uh, weeks. It's what is considered cheating in Hanabi. Okay. Some, uh, I need to say a couple of words before. Uh, you need, everybody needs to know that Hanabi is a co-op card game where the players are trying to play their cards in a specific order where they can only see other players' hands, but not theirs. So each player can give to another player clues about the color or the number of some cards and the players in turn are trying to play their cards based on the clues they have by using deduction, should I say? I was... <laughs> <laughs> I, I was waiting for, for Elias to argue about it, but... It's not it. deduction. They tell you the color and the number, and that's when you play the card. So reasoning. Correct. And that's the game. So there is a big discussion on what is legal in this game and what is not. Uh, if we decide before starting the game that when I show you a red card of yours, you can safely discard that card, that is cheating, according to most of the people. Correct. Because you wouldn't disc discard that card by just using basic reasoning. However, my personal opinion is that there are other instructions more morally ambiguous. Example. I played this game many times in the same night with my friends Calliope and Phil. As we were becoming better and better in this game, we realized that it's more efficient to give clues to each other on cards that we must play than on cards that we need to discard. After the end of its game, we had a discussion like, why did you give me that clue? Because such and such. So this kind of communication created in our group certain patterns on how to play the game that eventually became rules for us, for our group. So now if I play a game with Phil and Calliope, they know that I generally only give them clues on cards they need to play. Yeah, you're this cheating. Now becomes <laughs> this now becomes problematic when I play the game with a new group like Elias and Dima. And I can share my experience with a new group, but that could be perceived by others as imposing rules to them or even cheating. You forgot to mention among Lena and the new group. Uh, yeah, among others, Lena, my wife, is also believes that. So what are your thoughts? Your Honor, members of the jury, this case is clear cut. We could cook <laughs> it up and go home, not be home by dinner. It's very clear to me that opposing counsel does not understand that he's a fucking cheater just because he played the game with other fucking cheaters. That does not make it okay. Coming up with rules that are not in the rule book to give more information is cheating. The entire challenge of the game is to go with basic information of telling other people what color they have or what number they have, what to do. The game is co-op. If you are not going to do it according to the rules and going to add your own rules to it, what is the motherfucking challenge? What is the fucking challenge? What is the challenge in the game if you are going to make up your own rules when you have no one playing against you? Your, your Honor, if I might add... Shut, no, I'm talking. So You're not Your Honor. It's my podcast. So <laughs> what happens is 
coming up with more information and agreeing upon more information in a deliberate manner, whether or not that came up through organic conversation or not through organic conversation, you have deliberately agreed on something, makes it cheating. If without ever discussing it, ever, you kind of figured out that, oh, my so-called friend, Calliope and Phil, uh, only give me this clue when I have to discard it, then I give you the benefit of the doubt because you have figured out their patterns. But if between plays, you have deliberately said, well, when I gave you that clue, it was clearly so you could discard it, you are therefore adding more information into the game than is allowed. Are you that desperate to have 25 points? Your Honor, this is a clear and cut case. The members of the jury can just sign <laughs> off on this and go home. <laughs> Opposing counsel is clearly a cheater and his heart and his soul, and we might as well just move on from this nonsense. I rest my okay. case. Do we have any reasonable podcasters here? <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and we, we have had this conversation before when we were all playing The Mind. And it started becoming so frequent that patterns started emerging. And the people that count in their heads when they play the mind, like one, two, three, four, five, six, oh, eight. Okay. Wait, eight. Then, wait I, I do count. You're we, a cheater. You're a cheater. We discussed this. <laughs> there's no other way. What do you mean? Dude, there's plenty of other ways. I've played with a bunch of people. That wait 40 seconds to play a number that's four numbers yeah. up. Yeah. Like, I'll send you a video. Just because you do that, and I'm full disclosure, <laughs> I do that too in my head. But when I get to the number, I don't play it immediately. I do that as like my basis. And then when I take my number, I just look at everybody really yeah, hard feel and try it. to have an emotional connection exactly. to them. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. I when I, that when I play the mind, I like <laughs> to be mentally connected to everyone else's mind. So exactly. it's quite efficiently. And, and and Byron is a completely unbiased judge in this situation. That's so. right. Nobody helped him out in the game show of the week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was just Elias and I are just like good brain buddies. <laughs> so Ipo, thank you for bringing this topic up this week that we all disagree with you on. <laughs> I think we should take a vote, Your Honor, because that's how juries work. Other than opposing counsel, who clearly is biased in this topic. I would like to add that Ipo <laughs> ruined the game for us uh, because in the middle of the game, he just messaged on the chat that he gave me that if he gives us a clue, that should be the next card we play. And I would like you to take that into consideration and make up your own mind when deciding to convict Ipo. <laughs> no, we are convicting Ipo. Us convicting three, we're right the now. voters right now. All those in favor of calling Ipo a cheater at Hanabi say aye. 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 All right, Ipo, your sentence to never playing Hanabi with us I again. I speak for Lena as well. She says aye. Uh, so what we learned today is that uh, if you play Hanabi, in the end of your game, if somebody asks you, uh, why did you give me that clue? You will say, uh, I'm not going to tell you because of or you can do what Lena does. <laughs> and when I ask her, why did you give me that clue? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> why not? And or that's why we, we always lose. <laughs> what, what we learned today is Ippo's friends will turn on him in a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I just like to point out the so irony of me and Byron calling Ipo a cheater after that game show of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't cheat. No, you did not. You did nothing wrong. You did nothing wrong. Everything we discussed Elias's was voice. complete attorney client privilege. You're solid. You're good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, guys. Oh, guys. Oh, uh, I just want to say to, to our listeners that uh, if they have their own opinion, please let us know that opinion. If you have your own opinion, get your own fucking podcast. This is my fucking podcast, <laughs> and it's my opinion, and we all think you're a fucking cheater, Ipo. <laughs> You you are our listeners. Of course, you have your own opinion, and please share. So, so listen to what account. we say and have your own opinion on the top. <laughs> uh, Unless your opinion is that Epo's a cheater. Okay, <laughs> Epo's just speaking louder on top of you. Epo, go ahead. Go ahead. Or guys, you just go to BGG Guild because nobody does. Just no, seriously, say something. Say it's really sad. It's just something. It's, it's just a ghost town. Having conversations with themselves. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's like no one on our BGG guild, and it's just me posting. We have a new episode, and no one. No, and we get four <laughs> likes for each post. Do we? Mm, yeah, do we? me, you, Byron, people. No, we don't. No, none of you like it. I'm the only one that posts it. All right, so the point is, Ipo, I'm going to invite you to a conversation. We'll discuss what we think about Hanabi. And any listener who wants to get in on this conversation to back me up, or if you must, to go on Ipo's side, and I'll only tolerate that on the BGG Guild. We have enough followers on Twitter and Instagram. I will not tolerate that. If you defend Epo on social media, I will block your ass. <laughs> <laughs> but on the BGG Guild, I will let dissenting opinion happen because we're kind of desperate in that ghost town there. <laughs> and uh, we know you listeners don't care about, but uh, both of these links will be in the episode description. Uh, oh, one last thing. The TTS 2019 awards are still on, so you have your last chance to vote about your favorite games, the favorite games you played in 2019 before our deadline in 22nd of March. So do that. Is it less than five minutes to fill that form? Uh, on average, it's, it's four minutes and a half. Um, I'm sincere on this. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just go there and uh, let us know uh, your favorite 2019 games. And our link to that poll will be in the episode description. I want to answer a couple of questions which have been brought up by some of our listeners. This is the only... It's four, it's four categories you have to vote for. The only one that is fixed to 2019 games, like games released in the year 2019 is the best 2019 release. Everything else can just be whatever you enjoyed playing the most in 2019. And the reason we do this, we, we're never going to play every single game that came out in 2019. It's, this is not a definitive award of what's the best game that came out in 2019. This is the award of what are listeners playing? What are listeners enjoying? Because if... If, if you assume that 
people that listen to this podcast probably are like-minded, then it, 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 it behooves to know what these other listeners are playing and enjoying. So that's what we're doing. So don't feel any pressure like, oh, I didn't play, I don't know, whatever, Quaxiquedlinburg. I can't even know what came out. I can't make a decision. I I didn't play Irish Gage. I can't make, go out there and just make your own decision based on what you enjoyed playing in 2019. And then what your favorite game that was released in 2019 was. And that's it. There's no pressure. There's no like impartiality. We just want you, we want to know what you're playing. And that's how we determine our listener award. So check it out. Well said, well said, my friend. We're not dice tower. We don't have money for every single thing. <laughs> we have no actual um, principles. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to yeah, the end of this. Let's, let's make this clear, yes. <laughs> <laughs> to make it clear, our, <laughs> our principles are for sale. <laughs> Feel free to sponsor us with anything, and we'll we'll play it. <laughs> I will I will wax poetic about the use of plastic in board games, but if a company that makes plastic for board games wants to sponsor this podcast, just shoot me an email. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Elias at noprinciples.com. <laughs> I will take Monopoly on as a sponsor. <laughs> Might be the best 2019 game. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, okay, that, we should end this before we lose all our followers. <laughs> <laughs> These are just jokes, and that brings us to the end of this tabletop session. Thank you for listening. Please check out our very active Instagram account at Tabletop Sessions. You can reach us through Twitter at TT Sessions QA, or join the conversation. Please, I mean, start the conversation over at our board game geek guild so that me and Epo stop yelling at each other in an echo chamber. And you can find the link to all of these in the episode description. Please rate us on iTunes or on Apple podcasts or rate us through your Android podcast app of choice. This really is the best thing you can do for the podcast. It takes just a couple of minutes and it's the best way for us to get noticed short of literally helping with the podcast, sponsoring the podcast, whatever it is, this is the best thing that any of you as listeners can do other than listening to our podcast. We really appreciate everyone that's gone there and rated our podcast. We'll be back in three weeks. And until then, to quote one of my favorite writers, God damn it, you've got to be kind. Say bye, guys. Bye, guys. Hiakoa, folks. Sbaru baru. <laughs> what was that? It's Sbaru <laughs> Is it Japanese? No, it's because you said Kia Koa. <laughs> so Kia, Subaru. Tabletop, 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 top. Clearly, you don't see Tabletop, top. Tabletop, 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 top. Table, tabletop. Table, tabletop. Table, tabletop. Session. Uh, I'm gonna give uh, some hints to our listeners right now. Uh, her owner, uh, Miss Dima, is uh, checking the 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 rules. Uh, actually, not the rules. She's checking if this uh, uh, game that uh, Elias mentioned before is actually a game or just uh, a conspiracy theory.